picture a juggler spinning plates, and that's what the Defense Information Systems Agency's fiscal 2020 is going to look like. DISA's plates are part of a new pilot project in blockchain technology. In his weekly feature, The Reporter's Notebook, executive editor Jason Miller writes about how DISA is going to keep all those projects going, hopefully without breaking too much of that China. Jason joins me now. Jason, is this a normal year for DISA or are they busier than ever? It sure seems like they're busier than ever in many ways. And when you look at all the things that are going on and this forecast industry day, and Tom, let me just say to you, first of all, other agencies should follow this, this pattern. Without a doubt, this is a great day because it brings together so many of the great senior executives, but it also brings together industry and gives them an opportunity to meet, ask questions, have that interaction, create partnerships among them. And more agencies should do this. So I'm going to put that plug in for both DISA and other agencies to step on this. It's a Mythbuster day. It's a Mythbuster day. But one of the big things that I think comes from this is you see how many projects and programs DISA is a part of. And while each year it seems like there's a lot going on, for whatever reason, I got this. I got the impression that, that 2020 and beyond is going to be even busier. And I think that, Tom, starts with two big things. MillCloud 2.0 continues to grow. More agencies, more of the DoD services and agencies are going to go to it. But also the fourth estate consolidation. And this is those non-military services, uh, you know, agencies kind of coming together from an IT perspective to use DISA's shared services. And that's a huge lift. I think it's like 14 agencies, 1,200 employees, a billion dollars worth of new work for DISA. So that's all creating this kind of push for DISA to do more, have more things to deliver to the military services. And refresh our memory, MillCloud 2.0 is a commercial set of cloud services, or is it DISA's own facilities or a combination? Combination. So it's a contractor-operated, I guess, government-owned type of facility where where the a GDIT is providing the, the services, the support for an internal government cloud. And, and there's a ton going on there. For instance, they... Um, Army Major General Garrett E., DISA's senior procurement executive, talked about how Army Material Command has committed to move more than 100 applications to the cloud instance. DCMA, Defense Contract Management Agency, migrated 29 applications in less than 90 days. And really what General Yi said was that was such a big win because it showed not only can they do it, but they can do it with speed and relevancy. So it's not like, oh, that application took six months to move. They can do it very quickly. And even DISA has moved uh, their own applications to the middle cloud 2.0 and the expectation is as they bring on the classified version of middle cloud 2.0 more and more of the services more and more of the DoD agencies will use that that cloud service we're speaking with federal news network's jason miller so once all of these applications from these various fourth estate outfits end up in mill cloud it seems like a short step to the rest of the consolidation from an it sense in many ways, what the fourth estate is doing is starting with that network side, and they're actually going to put out a new contract called the Defense Enclave Services, DES, another acronym we all have to learn. And what that procurement is basically doing is it's the, those services to consolidate and move into, could be mill cloud, but it could be a, a commercial cloud. It could be, for all we know, is one of those four-letter words we don't mention, like Jedi and Dios. Sure. But it's it's part of building up, if you will, the pieces and parts to get that fourth estate consolidation happening. And in fact, Tom, one other piece of news that's really important is in August, and we just learned about this in the past week, the DOD CIO signed out what they call the fourth estate execution guidance. And basically it gives DISA the official authority to direct the transition of these agencies into what they call a shared service environment by the end of 2024. So they're just getting started, but they list dozens of services that DISA eventually 
will provide for those 14 agencies. And you write that DISA is also getting dollars and people to execute on some of these plans. Absolutely. I think one of the big changes is that's happening is they're going to take in those IT people that worked at, for instance, uh, the Defense Technical Information Center or the Defense Media Activity. Those will become DISA employees in many ways. What the DISA executive said at Industry Day, however, was we're going to wait to see how things go before we figure out the personnel side. Yes, there will be new people coming to DISA. How, when, and where, that's all yet to be determined. I smell a data officer coming. And what about this blockchain experiment? That's one of several kind of pilots that DISA is moving forward with. And in fact, Steve Wallace, who's the head of the Emerging Technology Directorate, talked about blockchain saying, listen, a lot of people believe that every IT problem, is the solution is blockchain. He goes, that's not the case. But what he said was around logistics, we believe we could use blockchains, the technology, distributed ledger technology to really secure logistical. So if you buy a product from one person, it goes to another person, it goes to another, you can see that trail and know that that trail is secure. And I think that's where they're really looking at it. And it's just a pilot they're kicking off in Mechanicsburg, uh, part of uh, the, the data center there. And let's talk about some other issues that you're writing about in your notebook. Two procurement-related reports, bid protests, suspension, debarment. There's some new numbers out, huh? It was an exciting day last week, both when, when both the GAO released their bid protests and Tom, when I got to read the suspension and debarment report. Now, I know it's a little bit into the weeds, so most people are probably rolling their eyes at us right now, but these two early reports show you really great trends. That's what's happening across the, the acquisition community. And while the number of bid protests are down by 16%, good news in many regards, the number of suspension and debarments or proposed debarments are actually down as well for the fourth year in a row. But really, you have to look into the, to the, to the fine print to find the news. And I'll just highlight this quickly. The first thing on suspension and debarment, they're creating a cybersecurity subcommittee. And this is really important, Tom. If you remember back in July, uh, Cisco Systems got into trouble on a key TAM or a False Claims Act lawsuit and settled for something to the effect of almost $9 million. And they, that's the first kind of shot across the bow for, hey, if you're not doing what you say around cybersecurity, there will be consequences. And so who is creating this committee? This is the Interagency Suspension and Debarment Committee. Got it. It's creating a subcommittee around cybersecurity. And the, the lawyers I talked to, for instance, I talked to Fred Levy, a partner with Covington, and he talks about how it's more than just compliance, but really it's, it's this really focus on what are you doing, how are you ensuring your supply chain is secure, and, and this focus is really increasing. I also talked to Eric Crucius from Holland and Knight, and he believes that two things are really driving this focus area. One, it's the Kaspersky Labs, ETE, Huawei provisions that Congress got into. And then he also talks about this idea of the bureaucracy catching up to the kind of cybersecurity sure. requirements and the breaches. So there's a lot going on. I'd highlight, I'd definitely read those two reports. Federal News Network's Jason Miller, thanks so much. My pleasure, Tom. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.